Thanks for joining us for Beyond the Pixie Dust, the first faith-based podcast for Disney fans. Together, we're going to dive deep into scripture from inside the parks, discuss the essentials of humanity like fear, joy, and grief with Imagineers and cast members. And we're going to explore what it means to live meaningfully in our modern world. So now, I invite you to join us as we dive beyond the Pixie Dust. I'm excited to talk to our guest today. Our guest is Rachel Coggins, and she is going to be talking to us a little bit about something that we we haven't gotten into at all. We've talked we've talked to an Imagineer from California Adventure, and we've talked to uh, a guy that worked as a cast member in the parks, working with food. We've we've talked to different people, but today we're going to look at an area of Disney that we have not yet explored at all, and and I don't know much about it. So I'm excited to talk to Rachel today. Rachel, thanks for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I want to um, kind of set up to get to the point of where you're working and what you're doing. I want to go back mm-hmm. uh, in time to just hear a little bit about um, your growing up. And like a lot of, of people working for Disney, I know uh, that Disney had a big influence on your life and everything. So just tell us a little bit about that kind of, of your first encounter with whether it was the movies, whether it was the parks and kind of how that grew throughout your life. I would say it, it's a funny story. The first encounter I had, I actually don't remember. Okay. I was just one years old, celebrating my birthday in Florida with my two older brothers and my parents. And it's a story that my dad tells all the time. And we were in the parks. There's actually a couple stories from that. But the, the biggest one, and I think that the one that stands out to me the most is I took my first steps in downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs. So I've always had that triumph here that Mm. has always been a story that we tell all the time. Wow. Yeah, it's like a a monumental thing that every parent looks forward to. Like, okay, when are they going to take their next steps? And then to have that uh, memory, you know, for some people, they they don't remember because it's like, oh, it was in the living room. They like, uh, you know, or it was... Uh, you know, just a nondescript place. They remember that they did it, but they can't remember where. But to be there, it adds that, okay, this was the place, you know, when you go back. Now, when you go back today, of course, there's been a lot of changes to Disney Springs. So you say your family talks about that often. Is that place still there or has it been paved or <laughs> or something? Uh, yes, there have been so, so many changes. But it with COVID, actually, they had changed the way that you walk into World of Disney to try and control the capacity. And it's a place that I go to frequently when my dad is in town visiting me. And we'll walk around, and he always brings that up. But we were actually on in the line to go to World of Disney. And he said, you know what? I think this is right over here when you took your first steps. Because now there's the bus stations, and you have the... Disney Springs Resort area hotels over there, but right kind of back where Bippity Boppity Boutique, they put that up because it used to be in World of Disney. Mm. Over in that general area, he he always points it out. He goes, I think it was somewhere over here. And okay. So we were actually closer to it recently, and the story got brought up again. He says, my baby girl, she took her first steps there. <laughs> Nice. So obviously, of course, that was, as you say, as you mentioned, you don't have the memory personally of that because you were one year old. 
and you have your your family connection though of that and then uh, how often did you guys go to the parks growing up it wasn't super often when i was young so we went when i was about one years old and so i like mentioned i have two older brothers i also have a little sister so when she came along things kind of got hectic my mm. brother started to get into school and then I was in school, and by the time that I was in school and my sister was in school, my mom actually went back to working full-time because my parents had worked out that my mom would stay home with us kids until we were in school. So we didn't take a ton of family trips when I was younger. Okay. When I got maybe more into like middle school, junior high is when we started to pick up and go to Disney again. And we always split our time between Disney and the beach. So I always knew I'd have five days in Disney. And I was the neurotic child who would like map out absolutely everything that we had to do. Down to <laughs> what areas of Magic Kingdom we would start in over in Adventureland and move our way over to Tomorrowland. So uh, I, it was one thing that I got to bond with my dad over and plan the trip and I was always excited about that nice so everybody in your family I mean are there are there people in your family that are bigger Disney fans than others I mean obviously you're you're maybe the the, arguably the biggest Disney fan because now you're working Uh, but was there somebody that was kind of dragged along or was everybody kind of like okay yes I can't wait to get there so when I got when I was in about like middle school junior high my brothers actually are a little older than me so they had activities going on. They were in college. They were doing their own thing. My one brother joined the military. So when we would go, it was actually just my parents, me, and my younger sister for quite a few of the trips. So it wasn't that my brothers didn't enjoy Disney, and I've actually since got to bring one of my brothers here to the parks a couple of times since he's visited. But nobody really gets drug along. Everybody really enjoys it. We all have our own things that we love in the parks, and... I think the biggest thing for my dad and for me is just to have our family there together. It's whenever I'm in Disney, I'm happy. And whenever my family is with me, I'm the happiest. So, Yeah, I th- and that's great. And I think for, so, for somebody who maybe is listening that has never uh, really gone to all of the parks in, in Florida, for example, or maybe they have, but you know, an adult is listening and they only went to Magic Kingdom with some young kids and they say well you know it was fun but it was really just a kids thing um there's just so much to do especially you know thinking of epcot and before we started recording we were talking a little bit about what's happening there now the food and wine festival i mean there are just so many aspects to it that you know sure you can go and it can be just for younger kids if you just go to younger kids things but even in that you know you're you're riding um you know one of the oldest attractions there, um, Peter Pan's Flight, and some of the stuff you're going to see where it looks like you're flying over London. I mean, parents to this day, some of that old technology, some of the old stuff that they've a little bit updated, uh, parents, adults are still you know, captivated by some of those scenes. So even some of those traditional children's rides, uh, when people sometimes think, well, you know, that's a kid's thing. And I maybe I say, oh, I'm a single adult, or, you know, we don't have any kids yet, so we're not going to go to Disney. Well, there's a whole other aspect to it um, that is often not brought up that really, as, as Walt had envisioned, that the whole family or you know any age could enjoy. Right, absolutely. And it's something that I say 
time and time again, uh, whether it's to guests who I'm speaking to and I'm helping plan their trip and they're happy and joyful, or if it's somebody who's upset about something in the parks, I always remind them, Disney is a place for children of all ages. My dad is the biggest kid that I know. And so (laughs) there really is so much for so many people, so many ages. Uh, It's the, the, the opportunities truly, I think, are endless in Disney. There's some things that I haven't done, and I I live here. <laughs> I'm a cast member. Um, yeah. And so there's there's just so much to do and so much to offer that, yeah, that there's some things that you just don't know about yet that you can continue to keep coming back and finding new things to do. Yeah, is that um, quote from, from Walt, of course, the only thing that was around when he was alive was Disneyland, but to say that Disneyland would never be completed. And so, you know, you say, well, I went to all the parks, you know, 10 years ago or something. Well, there's many things that have changed and that will continue to change, uh, be added on and built and, and even updated. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely always that returnability factor, um, which isn't necessarily present in, in some of the other parks um, in terms of other other groups or, or beyond Disney, um, you know, mm-hmm. so, so tell us about, um, you know, okay, so you, you're growing up, you had this desire to, you know, be a deeper part of this, be a part of actually working for Disney, uh, moving down to Florida, which you've now done, but tell us about the process of being hired. Uh, you didn't live in the state, so did you have to travel down, become a resident first? Um, how did all that, how did all that come to pass? I joke that I was hitting my quarter-life crisis. I was 25, and I just felt I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing everything that I could and should be doing with my life. And I never had a dream job growing up, a dream job growing up. I, I had jobs that I thought about doing or seemed attractive at the time, but I've always had a dream company, and that dream company was always Disney. My mm-hmm. whole family knew that. And so it was actually a pretty quick process. I know some people will plan years and years to make the move happen. And I had some vacation time at my job that I was at at the time, and I had to take it or else I would lose it. So I said, you know what, I'll take it or on my birthday. My dad has always wanted to buy a house here because in here in Florida because he – had lived here when he was my age Mm, and he's always loved Florida and he's always loved Disney. And so he wanted to look at communities to potentially buy a house at. And so we came down here and I had a friend who actually is from the Hubbard, Ohio area that I had reached out to. And I said, Hey, I'm going to be down here. If you want to join us for dinner, we're going to do a couple different dinners at Disney she was busy but we had continued to keep in contact and I had said you know what I'm not just I'm just not super happy right now not that I'm unhappy but I could be happier and so I'm wondering if you know anybody that's looking for roommates and it turns out she said sis I am because uh, she's actually one of my sorority sisters from YSU oh, okay. and so I said that's amazing so it she started just we kind of just went from like zero to 60 like real quick she was already looking at places with one of the girls she had been currently living with at the time and in a matter of the end of October to the beginning of December is when 
we looked at houses, found a house to rent, and I moved. Wow. So Very quick yeah, process then, yeah. It was a very, very quick process. Um, quick process of moving. However, at the end of October <laughs> is when I originally applied to the Disney Reservation Personal Vacation Advisor position role. And I applied there, and I did not hear back. And I knew that my best chance of getting in with the company was to live here. And so I was originally going to come down without a job, but I had a manager who was gracious enough to get in contact with one of the other stores down here in the company that I was with, and they allowed me to transfer. So thankfully, I didn't come down without a job. Oh, but yeah. I got here the beginning of December. By the end of December, I finally heard back, and Disney wanted me to take a questionnaire assessment. And I lucked out with one of my roommates was actually reconnected with a company going into the same position and role that I had applied for. So she had some tips and tricks for me and just words of wisdom and advice to provide. And so I took that questionnaire and within a half hour, I was asked to schedule a in-person interview. And so I did that. And by the end of January, I was hired into the company and into the Disney Reservation Center. Wow. And that's it. So the Disney Reservation Center is, tell, tell us uh, if somebody doesn't know what that is, what does that all include? What happens in, in the Disney Reservation Center? <laughs> it includes so many things. Uh, we actually just recently, I think, are doing some rebranding and rehoming. I know that there was an announcement of people coming from California to here. So the Disney Reservation Center is under the Walt Disney Travel Company, which encompasses Disneyland Paris, just your regular bookings for Walt Disney World Resorts and our Good Neighbor Hotels. We have an area in the Reservation Center where we have cast members who work directly with travel agents. We have a multi-language line. We have a line that works with specifically travel agents. And we have a multi-language line and a, a, a group that works specifically, specifically with Latin America. We have the internet help desk. We have our itinerary planning that works with recreation, with dining, if you're wanting to book golf, if you're wanting to book a spa. Right now we don't have those amenities available, but yeah. We do all of those things. Uh, we also have our groups departments that we work with. I know that some people are familiar with cheer groups or dance groups that come down. They utilize the ASPN Wide World of Sports. So we really have so many different things that we we do from A to Z. It, people in the Disney Reservation Center are some of the first people that you will talk to in regards to planning your Disney vacation. So there, this is a there's a physical building in Florida, and this is where you work. It sounds like is it it's pretty large because it sounds like this is a lot of different people having to cover all these different aspects. <laughs> yes, we are actually quite spread out between buildings because there are thousands of cast members just alone in the Disney Reservation Center, and it it is 
is quite large. There is a lot of us. We actually are spread out and not on property. Some some of the people who work within the travel operations are on property in offices there, but most all of us are off property in different offices. Okay. Okay, so um, obviously with many different companies all over the world, there are call-based you know, contact centers and, and things like that. But I assume just like probably with any other thing that Disney does, there is a different feel um, to working at the Disney Reservation Center. What, I mean, I know you, at least I, I don't think you have, worked for any other call centers at all. Have you any other type of other company um, in the past? No. So, no, so you don't have that, that firsthand to say necessarily what is the difference, but in, in theory, um, what do you see as kind of that Disney difference working at, at you know, calling, answering calls um, at the Disney Reservation Center versus just taking a job, you know, somewhere else answering calls for some other company? Right. Uh, it's that Disney difference. Just like you said, there are calls that you'll work with guests who are just trying to get some generalized stuff that you can do in just any other call center, like billing, research, and all that. But with the reservation center, you have, you're making a connection. And we like to call our cast members who work with our, what we call the consumer line with guests those are your personal vacation advisors. You can get that with a travel agent, absolutely. And travel agents are wonderful, but when you're working directly with Disney, we are the experts on our product. And so not only are we the experts on the product, but we also get to make that connection with you. We know that you're gonna be right down the road from us making these memories in a few short months. And some of the calls I know that I took, I'm not, a super emotional person, but some of them have really gotten me. Mm. Uh, it's calls from you're helping people plan their first visit. You're helping some families plan somebody's last visit. And so wow. it's not just a conveyor belt of calls of helping people with their accounting or their billing. Sure, we do that, but we're really helping people create these memories and it it can be very personal I know that when I was a personal vacation advisor because that's the the role that I originally started out in there was some calls that I people had gone through similar things that my family has gone through and I just one of the calls that stuck out the most to me was this lady and her daughter had spent so much time taking care of her husband and he had I believe she said dementia or Alzheimer's which both of my mom's parents had and so mm. we bonded over that and by the end of the call we were both crying I don't know how many other contact centers that you can say that you were sitting there bonding and crying with somebody over the phone wow. um and it it there's also been cases where some people have had situations that have become escalated, and in my current role, I've gotten to speak with those people, and I've had the privilege of helping them correct those issues, and they're always so eager to want you to come and visit them in the parks and sit down for a meal with them, and you don't really get that in different contact centers, because here, 
while all cast members, I think, were like a big family, our guests are part of that family. So yeah. it there's a special bond that we have as a contact center that I think a lot of contact centers don't get with their customers where we get with our guests. Yeah, yeah, the, those those examples that you give and everything of just in a lot of different jobs, not just other call centers, but in, in a lot of jobs in general. You hear people talking about their job and they say, well, it's a paycheck, you know, hey, it's, you, you know, I don't really like it, but you got to do it, got to get some money in. And there's a difference between that and knowing, hey, I need to provide for my family or, you know, pay the bills um, and realizing that in the work that I'm doing, there is meaning. And somebody who hears about, you know, they just hear, hey, here's a job. Somebody's working at Disney Reservation Center. They're taking calls about planning people's vacations. It's like, and you, and you ask them with only that knowledge, hey, do you, do you think that could be a meaningful job? People say, I don't know. I mean, they're just planning people's vacations. doesn't sound too meaningful necessarily. But then you get into the details of those what those calls entail, like you're saying, and to think about those examples and to think of someone's first visit, um, they haven't yet gotten there, or even even possibly even deeper or more meaningful, that last visit of someone saying, you know, we know this is going to be their last time, um, it becomes very meaningful because it's not just about, okay, we're going to sell some tickets here and then get the next call. Like you say, it's about, okay, how are we going to make those memories? How are we going to maximize that time for this family that it's not just another call to them. This is uh, one of the biggest moments of their of their life, really, um, in those moments. And so um, it's just so interesting to look at it from that perspective, from the perspective of the person that's calling in um, and to see it through through that lens um, of of that meaning and and like deep, uh, deep meaning of what you are actually doing. Yeah, it's, um, and don't get me wrong, there are some people that come in and, and it's just a paycheck for them. Sure. But there are a lot of cast members. I mean, there's some cast members in the reservation center that have been here for 15 some years. There's some people who have been with the company for 30 years who are in the reservation center and they realize how important our role is and frequently we'll have not frequently but throughout the year we always get letters and messages and video messages from our vice presidents and directors of sales and everything who just continue to remind us how important our role is and mm. I know that you get that with other companies and they'll they'll tell you oh you're so important you're doing so much yeah but a lot of these people, and I'm sure that you've seen in other people's Disney stories, is a lot of people start out in the parks. They start out in these lower-level roles, right. and they work their way up through the company, and they really do know how important it is to make that Disney difference with guests and yeah. to help make those memories because they're not just memories for those guests at that point. It's memories for you as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh great that you pointed that out about the, the kind of the higher ups and many other companies are like hired in at that role or you know they, they don't know what it's like and that's why you have shows like Undercover Boss where it's like I'm gonna see what it's like to really work on a, kind of the lower levels but it, that is not the case it's always been 
um, you know, that people started out as like a skipper at the Jungle Cruise and then became, you know, one of the Disney Legend Imagineers or whatever. So it's like, you know, there's been that on ongoing thing. Um, so I guess we could say, you know, in a few years, maybe we'll see you as is, is this new CEO. We don't know yet. We're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be something. Yeah, yeah. Um, if so, then, you know, I'll be expecting some free passes or something. You know, you can remember <laughs> us down here. Um, so in all of the calls that come in, of course, you have all of those those good stories. And, and maybe you don't have these. But like in me, in reading the the books that, of course, the books that sell a lot of times are the ones that tell the crazy off-the-wall stories. So, you know, I've read the books of former cast members who worked in guest services and all this, and, you know, they're, uh, they talk about how, um, especially on Main Street, you know, people are coming into City Hall and they have, like, these crazy off-the-wall things and they're really mad, uh, and it's, like, really stressful. Um, do, you feel, do you usually get the, when you get those calls, um, is it usually pretty easy to get along with, or are there some difficult situations on a regular basis where people are just really angry and want you to fix everything? Um, um, how is how is that? So <laughs> we we get those calls. Um, it it took me a while to get to a place where I was able to not get so shaken up by them. Yeah. And I know that I I always tried to tell myself it wasn't personal, and a, a lot of planning and stress goes into planning a Disney vacation for some people and. Sure. I would always try to play it off, but some of them do get to you, and some of them, yeah, some people have these requests or demands that they want certain things that it just can't happen, and yeah. in some of those situations, there's nothing that anybody would be able to do for them, and I think in some situations, they even know that, but they're going to continue to try because Disney always tries to have a yes solution right. for the guest. Sure. But I think that some of these calls, I've had people come on my line screaming at me. Wow. And I, I, in some situations, I get it. Other situations, I think that there may be something else that's going on that they just were really upset and this was the straw for them and they needed a punching bag. And in some of those situations, I, I say, hey, I get it. I've. I've been in your shoes. I have planned these vacations to a T on a on paper. I had folders. I get it. I understand. It is stressful. But I'm on your team. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. I will do everything that I can to make this right. Or I will do anything that I can and everything that I can to work to see if this is something that we can resolve for you. And mm. by the end of the call, some people are laughing with me. Some people will thank me. I had one man tell me, thanks for talking me down. I think my blood pressure is lowered now. <laughs> and so, wow. It, it, and then there's some people who just aren't having it. I had, and I think that sometimes, and this is, I don't know if it was just me in my head, but sometimes I get, people who hear my voice and they think, oh, she's a younger woman. She's she's incompetent. She's not going to mm. be able to help me. And I've had, in some instances, had to pass the call over to somebody else because no matter what I say, they weren't having it. And in some situations, too, I always try to set my guests up for success and I'll let them know, 
hey, if you're not happy speaking with me, I do apologize. I'm trying to give you all the information that I have and everything that I know so I can prepare you for what you should expect. If you'd like to speak to somebody else, you're more than welcome to. However, they're going to tell you the same thing. And some people will just take that at face value and and work with me, and some people aren't having it. And some of these calls can be very difficult. But at the end of the day, some of them will stick out to you, and some of them will stick with you. Mm -hmm. But I think that some of the harder calls that I have had with guests have allowed me to become better in helping the guests in situations and I have had more positive calls than I've had negative yeah and like I said I've I've, there's been calls where I've bonded and I've cried with people over the phone so those are the ones that stick out to me and those are the ones where by the end of the call I've had and this is not to pat myself on the back or anything but I've had people tell me you're you're what Disney is you are what a cast member should be and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to just listen to me because you could have just brushed me off but they, and I think that some people think especially when you're calling a contact center you don't know where these people are and they're like you don't care about me but this is my problem but I do care and so I, I try to let them know that yeah well, that's a lot of what you're saying, I think, is just so important, not even just beyond the experience of working at the Disney Contact Center. It's something that uh, I think is is teaching not only you, but those who are listening to this and can live by a principle that you mentioned, and that is the perspective um in situations, because all of us are going to have somebody that is going to be upset about something. There's, there's, there's those people out there um, that I remember this guy, um, this pastor that I heard one time, and it says like, some people are looking for a fight because they're not in one, and so you'll always see like that guy. Uh, there's always one guy at like the baseball game or whatever, and he's just screaming at the referees or, or you know whatever it is. And um, I, I don't know. Actually, at baseball to have referees, I don't know. I was like thinking the football game, whatever. But it, you know, there's always that guy at sports that's screaming at the referee, and he's getting red in the face, and you're like, is he actually this angry about the game? <laughs> Or is there something deeper going on? There's like this surface level rage right under the surface. And so this idea that, first of all, the perspective to say, okay, we could, we could start with what do we have, uh, what do we have at odds? Uh, but on a human level to see, okay, here's a human being in front of me, or in this case over the phone, and so what do we have in common? And that's one something that you just highlighted. And you, you, you say to them, you know, hey, you know, I've actually done this before. I, I charted out everything and, you know, some things fell through and it was frustrating or whatever. And, and to see, okay, what do I have in common, even though I may not have as much anger as, as this person? It's like, how can I somehow relate with somebody on just a human level. And when we can do that, you know, beyond these different, uh, beyond just Disney or beyond the contact center, beyond all that, like just in life, when we can do that, all of a sudden we begin to move forward together. Uh, and the other party, most of the time at least, is much more um, willing and open to, to then be like, oh, okay, look at the way they're responding to me. And then they start to calm down and they start to kind of get a little more level-headed and kind of, 
you know, in reality uh, and be like, okay, um, you know, let's, let's work here towards a solution. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just really great to have that perspective as those things come. And, and again, like you say, to then, then even just add on all the good experiences to not get hung up on the bad um, because there's always going to be somebody out there in life uh, that is going to have something negative to say about what you're doing or, you know, about you as an individual, um, you meaning you, the universal you, those who are listening. Uh, and so that idea to just say, listen, there's always going to be those negative people out there, but to have that even uh, greater perspective of, but think of all the positive, all of the, you know, encouragement that you've received and, and to keep that weighed as well at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I think that the biggest thing is you're talking to somebody on the phone. You don't see them as a human. You see them as as a means to an end to get your, your issues resolved. And so yeah. I always try to do my best to not so much make it easier for me, but to make them realize I'm a human too. Mm-hmm. And to, to humanize the cast members on the other end of the line so they realize, hey – We've probably been through the same things as you. And I, one of my biggest things is I always try to be as kind as possible. Um, and, and wanting to just let them know that I am trying to be kind. Because I've, I've called different contact centers before in my experience. And they do kind of just brush you off like, not my problem yeah like (laughs) you're you're but it is your problem because it's your job right now like and I I think that too going coming from working in this contact center there's been contact centers that I've called recently that I say hey listen I work for Disney's contact center I get it do what you need to do if you need to put me on hold and it almost changes their demeanor when you're willing to work with somebody and this not just in contact centers, but in life, if you're just willing to be understanding and be kind and say, Hey, I'll work with you, do what you got to do, but let's, let's work together. It's a world of a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's just so important and key to not only every job, but just in general life and the day to day of, of interacting with people. Um, so let me um, well let me switch gears to the, to this um, just a, again just a personal note for you of, of kind of the process of all of this um, how you talked about moving from Ohio to Orlando and everything and so living there now whereas before growing up it was uh, here and there that you were able to get to the parks now I mean you have reservations later you're going to be going to Epcot today I mean how was there something uh, that you weren't expecting about living so close with the access to Walt Disney World has it been everything you dreamed was there some things that were harder uh, than when you came down for vacation uh, how has that process of living close to the parks been it has been a whirlwind at first I lived directly behind Magic Kingdom when I originally moved here uh, so 9 p.m., 9.15, I heard those fireworks. I knew what time it was. I could literally hear and see the fireworks from my house. Wow. So being so close, it was cool because pre-COVID, I had accessibility to the parks so frequently that some days 
to recharge my pixie dust and that's something that cast members will stay to just kind of get back in touch with the magic if you've had a rough week um i i would go and i'd recharge my pixie dust and and it would just be walking on the parks hmm. it would just be riding a ride or grabbing a snack and i it sounds almost creepy but this is what probably one of my favorite things to do was to watch families especially mm. the fireworks yeah at the end of the day you're tired you're exhausted especially with little ones I, when i do the parks by myself i'm exhausted so with little ones i can only imagine and so to see these families at the end of the day they made it they had their disney day they had a day of magic of princesses of mickey and minnie they have made it to the end of the day with the fireworks and to see the little kids looking up at the fireworks and their parents looking at them with smiles on their faces or some people even get emotional at the fireworks shows and I'm not going to say that I am one of them, but I might be. <laughs> but to watch the fireworks, it's so beautiful and it's something that unites us all. So I... I really enjoyed being so close to the parks. I think that the hardest thing uh, to date since being here was when the parks were closed because I was starting to lose touch with making that magic for people because there are so many people who are calling who were canceling their trips or who oh, were wow. changing their plans and who were just frustrated. And I understood too because... I was supposed to have a nice six-day vacation between Disney's All-Star Movies and Disney's Wilderness Lodge with my mm. nephews. And so I understood the, the frustrations and the disappointment of the parks being closed because I, too, was affected by it. Luckily and thankfully, I was able to keep my, my role through all of that because of everybody needing to change plans for their vacations that we were still needed. But yeah, I think the biggest thing difficulty-wise being closer to the parks is being further away from all of my family. Mm. Yeah. But but having the parks here is amazing. I love being so close and having them so accessible. Whether it's just even to go and walk around Disney Springs and just have some type of Disney. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, first of all, just to comment on that, just to say like um, how, again, that just shows a difference between uh, Disney job and any other job because even the people that work in the parks when they have a day off say somebody works in Magic Kingdom then um, next thing you know they're like I met one of the, one of these guys on on one of my vacations he worked at on Main Street at the Magic Kingdom and then on his day off he went to Hollywood Studios it's like uh, you know you think oh well okay I'm not going you know to the parks today because I'm I'm finally off I'm gonna go do something or stay at home and watch Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever but people on their off days they're going into the parks they're going basically to work but not to work I mean they're going to the same you know land or whatever and it's just crazy because it just shows again kind of what you're saying that. Um, deeper meaning uh, that is represented and you just mentioned something um, a minute ago about you know in going and witnessing the different families and especially at the end of the day um, I can relate to to that and some of my favorite things are bringing people who have not been to the parks uh, ever before and going with them and I'll go on all the same stuff I've been on a million times because it's just great to see them for the first time experiencing that 
Um, but in the comment that you made about the the end of the day with the fireworks show and people getting emotional and stuff, um, that is, so I just, uh, a couple months ago, I wrote a book that came out um, through Theme Park Press called Beyond the Pixie Dust. And that is like the, on page one in the introduction, what kind of the whole idea of the book is, is to say that currently um, I, I have now beyond, between being a youth pastor and the pastor of a small church, I've been working in churches for 13 years now. And I, I know people who, who have gotten emotional during, you know, music at a church service or whatever, and, and that's totally fine, but I'm, I'm not one of those people. I, I don't get emotional, you know, when they play the piano or, you know, somebody says something. It's just not me. I didn't cry. But on page one of the book, I'm like, but, but when I went to Disney and I'm there and they begin to play the music at the castle show, all of a sudden, everybody's getting emotional and emotionally moved, including myself. And so it's like, what is it about this place that is so deeply meaningful that I haven't necessarily found anywhere else in the world? And so that's like how I start the book. But every, because that's so key to what I've been writing and so key to really this podcast, everybody that I talk to, I've been asking that same question because everybody has like a little different perspective on it. Um, and it's it's a big question, but what what do you think about this? What is behind that meaning? Why do you think... Uh, it is so meaningful to work at Disney, to be on on the property, as as opposed to, you know, growing up in Ohio, I'm sure you went to Cedar Point, and it's a great place. Um, Cedar Point draws people from all over the world because of their tall coasters. But I've never felt deep meaning in Cedar Point. I've felt a uh, fun time. I went on the Millennium Force, you know, but it, it was it was exciting, but it, it didn't have deep meaning. Um, so what do you think is it about Disney that, that drives this deep meaning for people? Uh, there's so many things. Uh, one, it, it unites us. It People from all different parts of the world come to Disney. And it's something that you have in common with somebody who you may not have anything else in common with. And so there's that part of the magic, which it is truly magical to see so many different people bonding and sharing a love of Disney. But I think that it also can do with having you watching all of those different Disney movies growing up and then mm -hmm. you get to experience it in the parks and it, it comes to life for you and it, it I I know I had listened to one of your other episodes and I believe it was with the Imagineer mm, no, going, we were okay. discussing with having the certain details of the yeah. park and there is so much that goes into those projects that our amazing cast members and Imagineers do. And the little details are what make the biggest differences because there's different parts of different stories that people latch onto. And we have that in person, in front of your face. And you get to see that in real life and, and it comes to life for you. And it could be something that you stuck with as a child and here it is. Personally, my one of my favorite characters is Tinkerbell. And so going on Peter Pan's flight is one of my favorite rides. Of course, it's everybody's favorite ride because the wait time's always astronomical. <laughs> but it, it's, it's so many different things that, that contribute to that between bonding people of all different backgrounds from all different places of the world and then having certain things come to life for you and having that that magic 
moment of, oh my God, this is my childhood right in front of my face. And then the way that you can just relax here too. And it's, and it's a relax in a different way. It's not a relax of, hey, I'm going to go lay out on the lounge chair on the beach and just take back. Yeah. It's a different type of relax when you get to Disney because you don't think about certain things from life. And people say it a lot of the times when I'm speaking to them on the phones is they just need a break from reality. And so I think that that is another thing that people latch on to with Disney is it is a break from reality. You don't get everything because once you step on the property, there's that curtain that you walk behind and you you walk behind this curtain and then all of a sudden you're on stage is what we call it. And you're on stage and, and there's this magic. So I think that it helps shut out the rest of the world for a lot of people too. And I think that that's one of the things. And the, the different things that it can bring a family together. If you're going through some tough times, I know that I just had some people uh, that had come down here and there's been a lot of family stuff going on, but they were able to put that on pause and just enjoy their time together. You don't get a lot of family time with the craziness of the world these days that you get to just be with your people. You get to be with your family and have those moments with them. So I think that that's just another thing amongst so many. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, being, uh, instead of just witnessing story, being a part of the story, that's a huge, mm-hmm. a huge part of, of what I write about in the book, but also that idea of, again, coming really full circle to where we started with, with your individual story of and your first connection, which is family. I mean, that's kind of a theme that we've had running through everything that you've been talking about, uh, from the hard part about living in Florida now to you know your first steps in Disney with your family. And it's just, that is so true for so many people, um, even down to the calls you're receiving of, hey, you know what, this is this person in our family um, is, is gonna be you know passing away soon, and so we want to make you know one last meaningful trip with them to this place that is so important to us. And it's just, um, you know, that connection and, you know, that idea that, yeah, f- the family coming together and different people uh, coming together uh, for this greater greater meaning to engage in, to be a part of the story, to be a part of something really bigger than themselves. Um, so, wow, yeah, this is all... Um, Oh, really great, and and I'm I'm I was excited to learn about, and I'm I'm happy to le- that I've learned a lot more about the Disney Reservation Center, um, because again I, I didn't know much besides having called in myself. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. thanks so much for um, for spending time talking to us and sharing all this with us, and just sharing some of your personal life too, and and some of your story. Yeah, thank you so much for for inviting me on and giving me the opportunity to to share my side of what. I know from Disney. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, we will, uh, if you have other exciting updates and things, love to hear them. Let us know and we'll have you back on and you can tell us more about what happens <laughs> since you have the first-hand uh, count of everything that's happening right there. Yes, I would absolutely love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love the chance to connect with you via social media or email. All the links that you need are over at beyondthepixiedust.com. 
And I would also love for you to join our community Facebook page. We have a public Facebook page, but then we also have a community Facebook page where we talk further about the content of each episode. And so I'd love to get you over there. Additionally, I'm excited to announce that Beyond the Pixie Dust, Becoming an Apprentice of the Kingdom, our first book is now available over on Amazon through Theme Park Press. So again, all the links to all of those things available at beyondthepixiedust.com. You'll see it in the show notes, and we'll see you on the next episode.